0: Well, it's obvious that music dominates our culture, isn't it? It dominates the culture to a degree that it never has in the history of humanity. Like anything else that's easily accessible, especially today with modern technology, through our uh, electronic means, electronic devices, we're exposed to all kinds of music. There was a time in the world that if you wanted to hear music, you had to make it or be there when somebody else was making it, or singing, playing or singing. You go back to um, Genesis 4 where, as the first mention of an instrumentalist by the name of Jubal, um, yeah, we had the prototype of, uh, there, there is, 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 the, is the original prototype of musical instruments. Then of course came recordings and radio. And now we're at a point where people go around most of the time, most of their waking hours, the waking hours of their lives, uh, with plugs in their ears, listening endlessly to music, yeah? Stand the blind through a window, trust me, somewhere on the street you'll see someone with uh, an ear plug in there, um, and, and of course they'll be listening to music. Most likely so. So, music is admittedly a powerful emotional stimulator. Uh, The advertisers are, are well aware of that and make the most of it. There's no potent tool in the marketing industry like a catchphrase, a slogan, and a memorable tune to go with it. Science, although it confirms that human beings are hardwired, we're hardwired to respond to music. It stimulates more parts of the brain than any other human function. And studies have shown that the, the fetus begins to develop an auditory system between 17 and 19 weeks. So, this only confirms that singing is something we were created to be able to do. Breath flowing from our lungs, vibrating through the vocal cords in our throat and pushing sound through the articulators of our mouths, tongues and lips. Singing is a grace of God to all humanity. It's a common grace. Just like the sun shines down to all, And it reigns to all redeemed and unredeemed. It is a common grace. It's a gift of God. It's a gift to the world to give them a means of of expressing their emotions. And a gift to believers to allow them to um, give expression of their gratitude to God for the salvation he brings through our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, one of the biggest books in the Bible that we have smack in the middle of it is the Book of Psalms, 150 songs. So this evening we'll be exploring the theme of singing from Colossians three sixteen, um, with this as our primary text. But before we do that, I'd like to point that uh, to point out that Ephesians five eighteen to nineteen is a parallel text. It literally conveys the same message, but there's a variation where it says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? Or as Colossians says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So the Spirit fills, the word dwells, but there's a singing encouraging one another in Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, but primarily the thrust of the message is the same. So to help us follow along, I've broken down the message um, into three sections. Why should we sing? What should we sing? And how should we sing? Why, what and how? Why should we sing? What should we sing? And how should we sing? Why should we sing? We should sing to praise God. Notice. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we sing to praise God. Notice this is against the background. You will know having been through um, Colossians. Uh, This is against the background of um, Paul addressing this church and and, and showing them, uh, you know, that that, uh, false teaching is dangerous. And he um, explains the supremacy of Christ above all human philosophies and and traditions. And he expounds on the um, reconciliation that um, Christ has brought for us. So now if you're a football fan you'll know that Manchester City won the treble this year. They emerged victors of the Premier League, the FA Cup and the UEFA Champions League. A feat that hasn't been repeated by any English club since Manchester United won the treble back in 1999, yes. Yeah, but listening to the football commentators um, commentators after, after the last trophy they won, the, U, the, the UEFA Champions League, I mean, the praise they poured out to this team, um, they had nothing but praise, understandably. I mean, obviously, it's a remarkable achievement. Um, winning the treble is no small thing. And obviously, their praise was a response to what they saw. ...and what they knew to be so. It didn't come out of thin air. And so what's the point here? The point is that praise is a response to revelation. It's a response to what's been revealed. That is praiseworthy. And if it's praiseworthy, naturally, you will praise it. So for the Christian, we respond to God in praise, adoration and thanksgiving... ...for the victory... The gift of salvation we have through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the first song recorded in scripture is in Exodus 15. It's a song of praise sung by um, Moses and the Israelites on the eastern shore of the Red Sea after the Lord had safely brought them out of Egypt. They were celebrating a rescue, a great victory. Uh, Verse 2 of Exodus 15 says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Salvation, that word, heavy, weighty, speaks of a, a great rescue. So mirrored in this story is the gospel story of our rescue, our own rescue through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we follow the lead of Moses and Miriam as we Make him our Lord and his death and resurrection. The central theme of our singing. All other strands emerge from that. So we stand on our um, own eastern shore with our enemy defeated and death destroyed. And sing with thankfulness in our hearts to God because... We have been saved. We have been rescued. A great salvation this. Suffice Him we sing. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. And then it progresses through the verses. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood. To every believer, the promise of God. So we sing, we sing not begrudgingly, but because we love to, because the gospel compels us to, because it's a natural response, having grasped something of the depth of the salvation of our Lord, we respond with gratitude and adoration and thanksgiving and praise to God. Why should we sing? To praise God. And number two, we should sing to teach and admonish one another. There's a Greek New Testament paraphrase that puts it this way. Let the full riches of Christ's teaching find its home among you. Teach and advise one another wisely using psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. For the purposes of time, I will lump the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs under one umbrella, one category, songs. If you want a thorough breakdown of that, please see Brother Olaf to the service. (laughs) So we learn here that our singing should be One form of ministry, the ministry of God's word to one another. We all need to be built up in our faith. And singing is one of those means God has provided. Songs are containers of truth. And they're one of the means God has ordained for us to be edified, to be built and strengthened in our faith. God's word is preached. God's word is prayed. God's word is sung. And some of these songs are prayers, actually. The psalm is full of prayers. And there's a way to pray through the psalms. I would advise you to make the psalms part and parcel of your Christian life. Simply because they cover every range of... I mean, the entire range of human emotions. So... Where community addressing one another in song. For example, Psalm 95, which you read, um, is not so much a song of praise to God as it is an encouragement, an admonition to God's people. You hear the come, the invitation, intense. Come. Let us bow in worship. Come, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Why? For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So the the rehearsal of great truths about God um, simultaneously brings praise to him and encouragement to us. Most songs, therefore, have two audiences a heavenly one and an earthly one, and we should keep this in mind when we sing. Not to brush aside the one another element, there's two dimensions to it, the heavenly and the earthly. So the next time <laughs> your neighbour glances at you with an ode uh, uh, while singing, Don't take it the wrong way. It's not that they're mad. (laughs) They're simply singing to God, to themselves and to you. They're exercising the one another aspect we're commanded to. as we sing. So the teaching element of music is seen throughout the Old Testament in connection with periods of revival in Israel and the fly of a church history we will see the same, for example, in the, in the Protestant Reformation under Martin Luther. Um, Luther emphasized the value of God's word and some music as a means to share God's word from the Bible. I mean, Eunice will tell you, as a Sunday school teacher, one of the best ways to get kids to learn the truths about God is to pack these truths into songs i vividly remember songs i've, I've learned from childhood we can never banish from memory unless there's um yeah something of an ailment that would prevent me from that but they are imprinted in there i mean it's shocking how much the mind can retain how god created this mind you see so he emphasized the importance of music And so, music as a means to share God's word from the Bible. He even compared the importance of music to that of theology and claimed that music is a gift from God capable of fighting evil and promoting good. Arm the Christian with the Bible in one hand and a hymnal in the other. Why should we sing? To praise God, to teach and admonish one another. What should we sing? Why should we sing? What should we sing? If we want to ensure that our songs are praiseworthy and edifying, that is building and strengthening to others, it's worth looking at the following tests. This is no, in no way an exhaustive list, it's just bits I thought just stood out, so I pulled out. Um, Let's look at these tests. Number one, the truth test. What do the songs teach? Are they faithful to scripture? It's tempting to select songs that are popular simply on the basis of their tune or on the basis of how they rhyme. Rich in style, but bankrupt in Substance, the focus test, are they God-focused? Are the songs God-focused, not simply so that we can praise God, but also so that we can be encouraged? If the majority of songs are focused on ourselves, and there's a place for that, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually on my lips. You know, we'll magnify the Lord with me and let's exalt his name together. There's a place for the I and I and I, but the I and I shouldn't be dominant. We've got to get the right balance. So, are the songs God-focused? If they're best based on ourselves, then our experience, our experiences and our feelings and devotion to God um, will have later to sustain us. I'll rephrase that. If they're simply based on our experiences and our feelings, then there'll be little to sustain us throughout the rest of the week after we've done all the singing on Sunday together. So there's a place for the subjective, but it should always be well balanced and primarily rooted in the objective truths for God. The songs we select should be well-balanced and rooted in the objective truths of God. Number three, the clarity test. Truth test, focus test, clarity test. Are the songs clear? Can they be understood? Songs may be true and God-focused, but they still will not build anyone up as they should unless they are clear and can be understood. Clarity in terms of what? In terms of language, for example. I gave you a disclaimer before. This someone I've preached elsewhere. I haven't tweaked it or tailored it to you. So I know we use old hymno, but I'm going to throw this out there. I'm not suggesting using use a new hymn, no. I'm just simply putting out the truth out there for you to consider. Is it clear? Is it understandable? Right? So. She's a family. <laughs> she's a family, isn't she? Yes, where were we? Clarity. Right? Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Do you understand what I just said? (laughs) Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Thine eye diffused, that quickening ray. Becky has asked me what that means a number of times. I've had to explain it. Do you understand that? I'm simply putting out some of the songs we've grown up as children learning. And we, we would understand, or well, at least I would say I, uh, if we don't, then we'd venture to go out and understand. You know, it's, it's archaic English that we're using. But what does it mean to be understand. So there's something about being, being actively engaged as we sing, understanding what we sing. Is it clear? If it's clear to you, it might not be clear to somebody else. So how do we come up with a framework that benefits all of us? That's for the general good, if that makes sense. The truth test, the focus test, the clarity test. Before I transition from the clarity text to the next, I talked about language. I'll talk about um, the issue of old and new songs as well. This is, uh, as I said, a prickly issue in churches where uh, you find churches where they um, will only sing 18th century hymns. Anything after that... No. no. It doesn't make sense, does it? Yes, there's a richness. There's a lot to learn about the old music, the music of old. Very rich, very substantive, most of it. There's something about the new music. There's been a wave of music since the, well, from the 60s up. And some of these songs we call church songs, they... They're like worldly songs. I mean, they come in waves and they disappear. You never get to hear or to listen to them again. They don't have that timeless fact. There's no timelessness to them, if that makes sense. But we, we're still singing hymns from the 17th century, from the 18th century through to the 19th century. You, you see. So we keep the old but before we embrace the new, should be should have a filter. Take the good on board. Right? Keep the old and embrace the new. One is silver, the other is gold, they say. And there's a wealth of rich, rich, rich new songs. By new, I I don't mean 2023 or no songs that go back in. I'm talking maybe 1940s, 50s, 60s, up even to date. You see, the clarity test. In terms of um, style, Moving on to our next point, the truth test, the focus test, the clarity test, the singability test. Are they are they singable? I don't know why you're laughing. Are they singable? Right? Again it's about striking a balance for the general good. There are songs that have a simple tune accompanying them. There are songs that have got quite, quite a complicated tune that do accompany them. If you've noticed, um, they are newer tunes that have been, um, or older hymns that have been adapted to newer tunes of Aisy You know what I mean, right? Um, simply because if, if you look at historic hymnody, the way they sang back then is not quite the same way Um, we sing of late back then the songs took a form of a structure that is so fluctuated but it's going to take a while for you to learn a song whereas songs do not have to be that's not a bad thing in itself because you have very beautiful songs of that type that if you adapted a simpler, say, newer attitude to them, they they, they, <laughs> you know, they lose their own, if, if, if that makes sense. But, are they singable? Again, the aim here, don't forget, the aim here is about teaching and admonishing one another. It's not about selfish preference. Right. So, that being said, uh, love should be the controlling factor in what songs we decide to include in our meetings. You listen to your own songs privately as well. And I'm sure you do suggest some songs to be sung. And this is an area you need to trust your pastor um, in. And also support him. You'll have noticed that... um, each each service there'll be different hymns but whatever the message is about um, you know in the service the hymns revolve around that message if that makes sense for example today there's been a lot of hymns we've sung about praise praise this morning quite a number of hymns we sang about crying out to God you see so that's, that's the criteria. That's the logic behind it. So in instances where um, new songs are introduced or known, known songs are set to a new, t- a new tune or it could be an unknown song but with an, uh, with, with an extra verse or a chorus added, open your heart to these things. Let not the issue be about selfish preference but rather about truth, about clarity and edification for the good of all, have your biblical filter in place. Why should we sing? What should we sing? How should we sing? So with that, um, with what attitude should we approach singing? We should approach singing with an attitude of reverence the fact that we are addressing God and teaching one another about God means that we do so with reverence with utmost respect with the fear of God as our anchor as it were reverence also means paying attention to the words we sing. It means singing actively and not passively. Engaging ourselves fully, intellect, affections, and will. We talked about feelings this morning and how fickle our hearts are, how our emotions play on our heads. There will be times. Like me when you don't feel like coming to church or you're on your way to church and uh, maybe the kids have spilled something and you've got to sort this and the other out and you're running late and everything is in disarray and you make it to church nonetheless but your head is not in the right place. But you've got to begin somewhere and we'll begin with songs of truth. You know, we sang praise, my soul, the, kings of, the king of heaven. And we were reminded of truth, that we were ransomed, healed, restored, and forgiven. And therefore, God is well worthy of our praise. So you see, I've, I've, come, in with, I've come in with that mindset. So I mean... My my mind is everywhere and I'm I'm listening to that. And before I know it, it's informing my mind and it's informing my emotions. And therefore, my mood begins to change. I'm going from the dumps and being raised up to praise. The truth of God informing what we do. Reverence. But that's, that's that's not going to happen if you're singing passively, because if you're singing passively, you're not taking it in, you're not digesting it, you're not absorbing it, it's not going into your head and into your heart. John Wesley wrote this in his um, book, in his rule of rule for Methodist singers. I thought I, I, found, I found it interesting. He said, above all, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself or any other creature. Attend strictly to every word you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with the sound. But offered to God continually. The devil is about destruction. Ever? Ever been praying, for example, when something crosses your mind and it's a destruction, out of nowhere? Or you're in charge, even now you're listening to this message, but something just crosses your mind. as a destruction. Anything can be used as a destruction, even good things, you see. So, uh, for the musician, it, it's all about... Enhancing our song praise. It's all about. Accompanying. Our praise. Sing. Reverently. Be active. And not passive. So it's not about whether you can. You can hold a tune. It's not about whether you. Understand harmonies. Or whether, but it's, 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 it's even not about whether you sound good. But it's a question of whether you're able and willing to sing. Because God commands us to sing. God expects us to sing. And we really ought to sing. It's in our new nature to sing. This salvation is irresistible. It compels us to sing. You see, it's striking to note that uh, our God is a singing God. He rejoices over us with singing, Zechariah, Zephaniah 3.17. Not just in the singing, with loud singing. Imagine the Sovereign Lord singing over you, rejoicing over you with loud singing. Perhaps some, if, if some of you dare to sing... Loudly You find it to be an embarrassment. <laughs> but the Lord rejoices over us with loud singing. And Jesus sang. He obeyed the command to sing. He would have sung as a child when he attended the synagogue. When he made the trips to the, uh, the, the, fest, uh, the festivals in Jerusalem. But Matthew records that after he told his disciples to drink of the cup as a sign of his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew adds that after they sang a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. Our God is a singing God. Jesus sang And as he faced his darkest hour, even on the cross, he quoted from a song, Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We have a singing saviour, a singing God and we are singing people and when we sing unlike any other religions we do actually sing we don't chant but we do sing and when we sing even now we're bearing witness to the world that there is a savior What singing about so our lord in that song as he Suffered the wrath that you and I deserve. As he labored and breathed in agony on that cross, bearing your punishment and shame and mine, he was abandoned by God. And he reconciled us on that cross to God. It's as if it was saying, stretched out, that the, 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 the best about him was laid upon us, whilst the, the worst about us was laid upon him. and reconciles us to God and rescues us. And we have a great, great victory through, the, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, heaven, heaven is full of singing. And one day, all God's people will sing the song of the Lamb who sits on the throne and will ascribe blessing and honor and wisdom and power to him forever and ever and ever, for he himself will be our song. Perhaps you're here and these things don't quite make sense. You, you're not sure about your, your standing with God. This singing God invites you, he invites you to repent of your sins and receive full pardon, full forgiveness be adopted into his family and be part of his singing people for those that are truly in Christ. May these truths remind us of who we are and encourage us into encourage us into holding to God And sing of His Masses all the days of our lives. Let us pray.